1: Welcome to Your Next Step. I'm Pastor Doug McCoy from The Church Next Door. I'm with Pastor Doyle Jackson. Pastor Doyle, in our world today, it is so hard to talk about things like pro-life or pro-abortion, those kind of matters. It's become yeah. so politicized, and people just demonize their enemies. We can hardly talk about it.
0: Yeah, we've had a lot of uh, the the law, the judicial system has weighed in on it, and, right. and we're still— in high tension over it right now over life and the unborn. And so we as a church really wanted to lean in to trying to help people uh, look at it from a scriptural perspective. But we also wanted them to hear from people that have gone through the pain of an abortion. And, you know, Amy Garner is a friend of ours and she was willing to come and be honest and share. And then more than that, uh, she's been a part of us helping start a ministry, a small group to help women. We we want to launch another small group to help yeah. men with their involvement in, uh, in abortion. And so our goal at The Church Next Door is to bring God's light and repentance and healing and freedom. Yeah. And Amy really kind of walks that out and explains it. And it took two... Uh, Two programs for us to, right. to record all that. And so if you need to go back and, and listen to the other podcasts, go look us up on Your Next Step now and and you can be a part of that.
1: Yeah, it's one thing to curse the darkness. It's another to turn on the light. Yes. Amy turned on the light for me. Some of the things that she said were just uh revolutionary or revelatory, you know, I mean, just open my eyes to things I didn't know. I think she's going to do the same for you. So this is again, the second part of a two-part interview. Go find the first part at yournextstepnow.com and stay tuned for here. Part two, because it is going to bless you. This is Amy Garner.
2: So it affects so many people. And we were talking about how do we relate to one another without being self-righteous, and that there's some language around how we should communicate, how, sh- how we should talk even to our kids, to-, to our nieces, our nephews. Can you help us with
3: this? Sure. Um, the first thing I can tell you is that is in your family. You may not know it, but I promise you it's there. I don't think there's a family in America that has not been touched by it. And what we need to understand um, is the way that we speak about it in our homes matters. The way we talk about uh, the unwed mom matters because if your children don't feel safe coming to you when they get in trouble, then they will try to hide it and they will do the unthinkable. So the way you talk about women who have abortions, and and I will tell you, I was the most self-righteous person Absolutely. Everything they say about me, I said about women. Hmm. I thought all of those things, and then I became one. And now I'm called to them, isn't that like Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that just yes, the way it He is. works? <laughs> but it's so important how we're discussing it in our homes. It matters, and it could change whether or not a young girl feels safe to come to her parents or whether or not she's going to turn to do the unthinkable to try and cover it up.
2: And in our churches and in our small groups or our gatherings, what is some? what are some of the words that we can use, or what is some language that would be helpful?
3: Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you, post-abortive works really well. Abortion wounded works well. Um, it's th- those women that, that doesn't—anytime we say those anything, that, that just isn't good, right? It carries a, a verbal shame, if you will— um, We need to talk about it in our churches. I'm so excited that you have a church that's willing to discuss a very tough issue. And we need to understand, uh, kind of to your point earlier, that the cross is not a safe place for everyone.
0: No.
3: Unfortunately, it's not. We think it's the safest place on earth, but it's not safe when you are afraid of the God of wrath. And what actually happens? in the trauma of abortion is that Satan distorts the doctrine, breaks apart the God of wrath, the God of love. Suddenly, we see the God of wrath coming for us.
2: And, and Amy, you said there were several traumas that cause abortion. What are some of those?
3: When I work with women, all women that I have worked with since 2016 kind of fall into one of, I think, three categories. One is sexual trauma, rape, or molestation. Uh, The second one would be coerced, meaning they're coerced by a parent or a partner. And then there's an interesting role between the father in the home and whether or not a young girl ends up abortion vulnerable. And if the four A's are present, abuse, addiction, anger management, or abandonment. If any one of those are present, then she can become abortion vulnerable. The role of the father in the home is absolutely critical.
2: So, so not an abusive home, just the fact that the father is available, is loving, is caring, is what you're talking about.
3: Is safe, yeah. Is safe. And is a safe place, a, fa- a safe yeah. place to turn, right? That he's present. Because abandonment can also mean emotional abandonment.
0: So let's, let's, let's flip it on it for, for just a second. So um, if you're a parent uh, and you want to try to keep your daughters and sons – from being a part of this, the the best thing you can do is to love them, to communicate with them, be open with them, and um, share a godly world view with them in an open and accepting way. If you're a single parent, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's gonna make your life a little bit harder, but you've gotta lean into it a little bit more as a single parent. You've gotta say, listen, I understand, and 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 you let them know that you're loving, and then you've got to watch for the risks that are there, and um, I think that's an important thing for people to know because I think a lot of people live in fear that these things will happen, and you know over the years Jennifer and I have had parents come in and tell us their daughter is pregnant. They're so angry. I don't know what to do, and. And we always smile and say you know exactly what to do your daughter needs your love right now she needs you to lean into this relationship no we don't agree with how we got to this point but we agree that she's valuable she's precious you know and and i think that's why uh, that's why kids and i'm proud of them always i say you did great and they say, well, how do we do great? I said, well, you created an environment where your kid could make a mistake and they could talk to you about it. And at that time, they don't feel like it. And that's what's really hard. You, you want your home to be a place where kids can make a mistake and they can say, I really messed up. You know, I wrecked the car today and, and I think I've wrecked my life and they haven't. Uh, it just means that they've got to deal with something. So that's, that's what I would say to people.
2: So, Amy, you've written a curriculum, and your website is called redeemedforareason.com. I think about this curriculum. uh, When when women or men come to this, you you talked about um, not only the abortion, but then the, the eating disorder, the cutting, the drinking. So is this a part of the process of healing, the inner healing that happens when they go through your course, or do you just focus on abortion?
3: No, we focus on all of it, and I allow God to kind of—the Holy Spirit is in the room, and He sometimes will heal that abortion wound and then just run right past it and start healing the wounds of the past. The self-numbing, whether or not you're a distractor, whether or not you're a number, uh, or whether or not you just are going to compartmentalize and shut down, because sometimes that's one of the options. Oh, whoa, wait, wait. Can you break those down for us a little bit? So, numbing means you're turning to some kind of substance. Or, um, a lot of times men will turn off their emotions so they can compartmentalize and compartmentalization can sometimes look like disassociation for them.
0: I thought we didn't have emotions. Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm kidding. Men
3: are waffles. Women are spaghetti. Remember (laughs) that? But we have to, you know, with men, I tell them all the time, like the Lord is going to turn those emotions back on and he's going to be so gentle about it. It's going to be a trickle. It's not going to be, you know, a fire hose. Um, distractors are the ones that can't sit still. They're going to go, 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 go to keep them from being alone with their own thoughts, right? And then those compartmentalizers are just going to shut it down and, and push it away. Um, and so we have to go through, and we'll discover, like, which, which way are you coping with it? And then let's address that as we go through the class. If it's a recent abortion, I'll be honest, it's usually not how are you numbing, it's what are you using to numb because those first months to years are tough. They are really tough, especially with the way abortions are occurring today, because they're occurring by the chemical, the pill. And so what's happening today is that young girls are having abortions in their own bathrooms.
2: And are they having numerous ones because of the pill is so convenient?
3: Are the numbers increasing? The numbers are increasing. Um, but it's, I mean, there's no doctor's care. That's, that's the issue. They're getting, they can get them off the Internet. I mean, I've, I've dealt with girls who've just gotten them from a friend. So a, just a friend handed it to them, and they got it from somebody else. And so there's, there's no oversight whatsoever. So when we hear, you know, abortion is health care, there's no medical intervention at all in this. And so they, are, they come and they take a pill on, like, a Thursday uh, that will cut off the progesterone to the baby and then on Saturday, they'll take the pill that puts them into labor. And this is all designed so that they can go back to work on Monday.
2: You know, while we're talking about the medical piece, Amy, tell us about what, what actually does happen. What are some of the myths they don't understand? A lot of times I tell girls when the cervix is it's designed to be so tight, it's not even supposed to have anything come through that until dilation to have a baby at full term. That's when it's supposed to start opening. And when you prematurely open a cervix,
3: then later when you want to have a baby, it's weakened. Isn't that right? It is, it can, for sure. And you know, infertility, I don't want to scare anybody um, because women off, who have abortions are often terrified that they'll never be able to have children again. And that's not true. I carried twins, uh, but sometimes um, it is difficult to get pregnant again, and sometimes it can be difficult to carry to term. Usually there's some spotting and bleeding in that first trimester. Well, do you think it's important that we let young women know so that they
2: understand ahead of time, or would that not make a difference?
3: That's a good question. Um, I will be honest. It needs to be told to them, but I'm not sure. In the moment that a woman is facing that crisis, in the moment that she is so afraid that Satan has created a level of fear in her that she's willing to gnaw off her own arm, like that's the fear, the amount of fear that he creates. And he does it by taking a memory of a fear and attaching it to someone you love.
1: We have more resources for you at DoyleJackson.com. We will be right back with more Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, we have a great free resource we want to share with our friends. It is a copy of your great message, Great Hope, The Cross. This is going to be a PDF digital download. If they go to DoyleJackson.com, give us their email. It'll be sent to them. What is the value of having that message on uh, PDF as well as hearing it through the radio? Well, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, number one, we learn things
0: best when we get to see them, when we get to hear them, and somehow when we get to be kinetically involved with them, we get our hands involved. And, and that's what we want. Our our friends to do because you're partnering with us. You're listening, and and we want to give this to you. And then I'm praying that you'll pray this prayer out loud. That's part of this lesson uh, we go through in this lesson. The the eight things that Christ provided on the cross. He provided forgiveness. He provided healing. He provided righteousness. I'm not going to give you all eight right now. Right. You got to go right. and get it because if you begin to pray that aloud over your life, it'll transform the way you think about Jesus and the way you think about yourself, because it transforms us to confess that aloud.
1: We're beginning to engage with what God is is doing when we start to, yep. to it's just like when you hear somebody quote a scripture and yep. you're like, well, I want to look it up. You're engaging even more. This is a chance to engage even more with the cross. So go to doylejackson.com, put in your email, you'll get this PDF. We believe it's going to bless your life. So we're glad that you're here on Your Next Step. You're gonna really be blessed by this interview with Amy Garner.
3: So I hear often that you know women are having abortions because they just don't want consequences. That's actually not true. Oftentimes, women are not having abortions because of them. They're having abortions because they're afraid those they love will suffer. For me, it was that my parents would be shamed.
0: Yeah.
3: And the... He, you, Satan used a memory from my past of seeing a woman shamed in our church and attached it to my mom in my mind, making me believe that that would be my mother for the rest of her life if I carried that child. That's right. And that is what creates the level of fear that you're willing to do anything to save those you love, and you'll be the only one hurting. And that's what we believe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what we want to convey as Christians is, that's not true.
3: It's a complete lie. And it's, it's all Satan lies. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, my, my parents are my biggest cheerleaders in this ministry that I do. My father helped me write my book, so I could have come to them. I absolutely could have, but I believed the lie at a young age, and I didn't have that intervention piece. Yeah. Uh, so it's so important that our pregnancy centers are supported. Mm-hmm. It's so important the work that they do. And it's important for the church to, to talk about it, mm-hmm. because you have children in this church that may find themselves pregnant in the next six months.
0: Well, can we, can we talk about that for a second? Because if, if we're going to make the church a safe place, uh, when we talk about post-abortive women, what, what is that part of the process? When, when you did talk to your parents, uh, what, how do we help people see that that's going to be a part of their healing to, to walk that out?
3: I think preventative work, talking with them at a young age. I believe talking with parents and really creating an atmosphere uh, where there's safety in the church and there's safety in the home for them to have the conversations, parents to have conversations with their children. Uh, I tell my kids listen, it's not ideal. We all know it's not ideal. We all know that it's not God's way. But if it ever happens, we'll get through it.
0: That's right.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful.
3: It creates safety. It creates safety for, you know, the church at large that, you know, when was the last time the church threw a baby shower? You know, how are we going to embrace, not condone and say we're approving the behavior, but to say, we're going to meet you in this and we're going to walk beside you and you're not going to have to be alone, that this is a church that's going to come alongside you and we're going to walk, walk you through this. Yep. Okay. Choosing life choosing life as a church choosing life
2: again as and a again yeah mm-hmm. so let's go back to your curriculum redeem for a reason that's your website redeemforareason.com and we talked about at the beginning that so you first identify how are we coping are we numbing are we compartmentalizing what are we
3: doing where do we go from there it helps to understand our story so one of the first things we're going to do is look, out, look at how Satan was involved, right? So we're going to dig into what was our past trauma, uh, what led to the abortion clinic, and then we're going to go through and talk about where was God, because that's another lie, right, that God wasn't there for you, that he didn't step in for you, and that's not true. God does not take our free will, but he's absolutely there with us. And so I have them do uh, a timeline, and they sketch out, even every five years, how the Lord has been pursuing them. Because again, there is a deep-seated unworthiness that they don't believe they are worthy of Him. And so having that timeline, we always go back to it and say, look how worthy you are. He chased you down. And then we go through and we redeem Scripture Jeremiah 1.5, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Psalms 139, these are all uh, passages of Scripture that Satan can breathe condemnation into. So we go back, and those are actually the verses that will set us free. Because before we were formed, that means me, that means her, before I was formed in my mother's womb, he knew me. He knew everything I was going to do. He knew every mistake I was going to make. He knew every wound I was going to have. He knew. And yet he pursued me, and he chased me down, and he placed his name on me, and he stood up in front of Satan and said, you're not going to have this one, this one's mine. And so we take those very verses, and we let God redeem them in their hearts. That's good. And you've seen great
2: results. You've seen so many people set free. And like you said, they've even begun to have their own ministry or their own uh, a group or love for others, and it's a big change.
3: Yes, I've never not seen him heal. And I know that's a double negative, but I'm from Texas, and that's how we talk. <laughs> but I've never not seen him heal. He does it every single time. He's a healer. He is. And his word heals. It's the renewing of our mind.
0: Yeah, if you'll, if, if they, but they have, to, they have to ask him. They have to step into it. You know, they're going to have to participate with his provision.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean,
0: it, it, listen. Insanity is continuing doing the same thing over again, and just ignoring what's happened in our life isn't going to work. And we've got to lean into that. We've got to lean into that relationship.
3: By the time they get to class, it's it's not a it's not a habit at that point. That's it's not a lifestyle. I think it's a. Um, how, how am I worthy of this? How, how does it work? Can Jesus possibly move healing from my head to my heart? Yes. Yes, yes. he can. And he does it every time. Um, and then really just creating that safety through atonement. It's surprising to me that there's a lot of people that don't truly understand what it means to be atoned for. Mm-hmm. When we look at Abraham and Melchizedek that's a story of moral injury. Mm -hmm. He had just slaughtered five kings, and he comes back, and he's hurting. And so, Melchizedek meets him with bread and wine, right? Atonement, because he's teaching him the gospel and the power of atonement, understanding that we are covered, just covered in the blood, protected, and what exactly that means.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
3: Amy,
2: how do we talk to women or men who we want to invite on this healing journey.
3: If you know somebody who has an abortion um, or has an abortion experience, my first suggestion is to um, just meet them where they are and and let them know that, that you know how hard it is. You know, how scary it is. You know that it is the secret that they think they are going to hide forever, but yet you also know that there is healing available. And then talk with them about the class, get them in touch with me, get them in touch with you. Um, There's power in just hearing somebody else say, me too, me too. And I know exactly what it was like. We spend a lot of time that first night um, of our class and just kind of talking about the actual experience. And every single one of us walk away thinking we could have all been in the same clinic. It's exactly the same. So there's power just in sitting with somebody in that pain and meeting them there.
2: I think that's so important that we do that and that we're on the lookout for those who need that hope and healing. Uh, what about how do, we sh- how do we share a pro-life message with others? How do we share that? When someone comes to us and they say, uh, I'm for abortion, what's your response?
3: My response... Um, is that I'm pro-life from a a place of great pain, which is a little bit maybe different than just being pro-life. I think a lot of times when we talk about pro-life, we talk about the baby. It's always about the baby. We don't really talk about the mother. We don't talk about the father. We don't talk about more, more than just a baby died in that abortion clinic. And so really being more open to discussing, this is what I've heard women go through This is what I've heard men go through. You know, I have men come up to me just sobbing a lot. And the, I guess the narrative out there is that men aren't affected. That's not true. They're just as affected. Mm -hmm. So being able to, you know, talk with them as well about it is extremely important.
0: Yeah, every man I know that's lost a baby is, is wounded by that and... It doesn't matter what the circumstances were but behind the loss of that child, men, men get wounded. And so what I think should, one of the lies.
2: What should churches be doing for, for
3: life? My hope is that churches are going to start doing exactly what you guys have done, which is listen to our stories, right? Listen to the other side. Uh, and we have women who will stand up and tell their story, story after story. Um, so that the truth comes out and we need to heal.
1: You've been listening to Pastor Doyle and Jennifer Jackson interview Amy Garner. Pastor Doyle, so many people were touched by this interview. While it was happening, there was a, a lady there in the back of our sanctuary. I could tell that she was very emotional, touched by what she was hearing. I went and got a lady to come and speak with her. She's joined a small group here at the church. She's become a part of our family. That's really what we're hoping to do, isn't it? We're not trying to beat people down. We're trying to lift people up. Oh, no. I mean, that's why Jesus, you know, Jesus was always
0: accused of hanging out with the wrong crowd. But he was there, he said, because they needed a physician. They needed healing. Yeah. And the church next door, one of our our dreams is to bring healing and life to people. And so, yes, uh, Amy shared her story because she wants other people to know that there's hope, there's freedom, there's uh, forgiveness uh... on the other side yeah. of no matter what you've done and so sometimes what we've been a part of it so wounds us so deeply that that we just want to pull back mm-hmm. and um, we understand that and so we try to give people a safe space to really experience the hope of god and so amy helped us and we've we've launched some ministry uh... some small groups to help with this and if people want to be a part of it they just need to let us know we want to help you.
1: We don't want to just talk about it. Yeah, the group that she started is still going on. It's ladies only right now. We're hoping to expand it to expand it to men soon. Uh, if you would like to be a part of that, you can email us at pastor p a s t o r at t c n d. That's just the church next door dot org. Again, that's pastor at t c n d Let us know that you're interested in this kind of healing, and we will get you connected. You will be blessed if you do. Your next step with Doyle Jackson is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to help keep us on the air, visit DoyleJackson.com and click Give. That's DoyleJackson.com. You can also send a check to The Church Next Door. Our address is 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Again, that's 5755 F-E-D-E-R Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Please put radio in the memo line. Lastly, if you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. I'm Pastor Doug, and Pastor Doyle and I would love to see you next time for your next step.